Hey everyone, this is Mark Page with my Word from God podcast. Today we're going to talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. It's time for a word, a word from God. Hey everyone, so good that you're back with me today. I, uh, I've been thinking hard about what I want to share with you and God's really spoken to my heart um, and I believe that Jesus wants us to go today to John chapter 17 to continue in our um, our series this week, this Holy Week, called Don't Miss Your Messiah, Following in the Footsteps of Christ. Um, first, before I jump into John 16 and 17, or even discuss it, my heart is to share a worship song with you. I'm a worship leader, as well as a, a uh, student pastor and soon-to-be church planter. So um, this song... Some of you will know it. It's called Living Hope. I pray that it encourages you today, wherever you are, to continue to trust and have faith in Jesus, who is our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me, 
you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me jesus yours is the victory then came the morning that sealed the Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope, God, you are my living hope. John chapter, chapters 14 through 17 um, are referred to often as the final discourse of Jesus. Essentially, his kind of his famous last words um, to those he loved and even to God before he entered into the work of the cross and the work of Gethsemane and the, his arrest um, from Gethsemane and then his transfer to Caiaphas's house. And I've walked in Jerusalem. I've seen um, this place where Caiaphas's house is, was seated on a hill. I've been down in the pit where Jesus was placed. But I'll talk more about that tomorrow. What I really want to focus in on today is the end of John chapter 16 and all of John chapter 17 and just give you a few um, thoughts. It's, it seems very important to me to, to rediscover and to focus on what Jesus was thinking and what he was doing and what he was saying on his way to the hardest thing he had to do on earth, on his way to defeat Satan, on his way to de defeat our sin, on his way to, to, to ransom his bride, his church, us. So what he was doing, what he was saying is so important in this Easter season and always. And so I just want to turn 
our eyes towards his word and 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 his peace and his grace i'm going to read john chapter 16 um verses 31 through the end and then i'll read john chapter 17 and then i'll pray and my heart today is is just burdened for people that don't know the love of jesus and so Take these words that Jesus prayed and let them give you strength. Let them be life to you. Let them be hope for you. Let the truth set you apart and sanctify you and wash you and cleanse you so that you can do your part in the kingdom, so that you can do what God wants you to do. John chapter 16, verses 31 through the end say this. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? And then he says, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's say that one more time. Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And leading into chapter 17, right here Jesus is telling his disciples not only that they're going to be scattered, and we're going to see that when, when Jesus is arrested that, arrested, that even the apostle Peter, who said, I'll never deny you, denies him three times. See, it's, it's easier to worship Jesus when you're really close to him. But when you sense a distance or when you start to feel like he's distant at all, your worship often gets quieter and you scatter or I scatter. But he is our peace. He himself is our peace. He promises tribulation, but he says, be of good cheer. That means cheer up, take heart. I have overcome the world. And then Jesus goes on and he says this, Father, the hour has come. This is his prayer. And my message title today, um, besides the main title, which is don't miss your Messiah. I would say to you, don't miss what the Messiah, Jesus, our King, wants to say to you today. Um, this is, my message title today is called The Prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed before he entered into the most painful part of his ministry. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was, claiming in this moment, even in this prayer, that he is God. Verse six says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and now they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. 
I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but those are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. That's interesting. I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That scripture might be fulfilled. That's Judas. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So he's our peace in John 16. He's our joy in, in John 17, 13. And he says, I have given them your word. And the world was, has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. In other words, I don't pray that they wouldn't suffer, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I, sent, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That word sanctify right there means not only cleansing, but setting apart. Jesus was being set apart right then for the cross. So that we could be sanctified and set apart by the truth. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, I praise Jesus for that verse, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it. I'm going to keep declaring it, and he declares it through the cross soon, and through the empty grave, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Father, we love you. Today, as I open your word, I just pray that whoever hears this word would be blessed, would be changed, would be touched by your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that you've given us the ability to cry out, Abba, Father, that we've re received the spirit of adoption so that we can do that. And God, that we can boldly approach your throne to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. And Jesus, we know that we approach your throne by your blood. We can go to the Holy of Holies by your blood. So Jesus, cleanse us right now. Cleanse me, my heart, and whoever hears, I pray that you would just open our heart and our ears to your word. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, and now I pray you would speak. Shut my mouth and open your mouth, Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you three um, specific prayers that Jesus lifted up in John 17. The first prayer that Christ prays, and if you're just tuning in or you just started to listen, 
this ti- this sermon, this message, this podcast is titled "Don't Miss Your Messiah." Um, following the footsteps of Christ. And this specific uh, message is called the prayer. The first thing that Jesus prays about right here, this is actually out of sequence um, for the week because he's technically in John 17, he's already had the Passover, but I'm gonna talk about the Passover a little closer to Friday. But it's interesting to me as Jesus prays that his first prayer Point number one, if you wanted to take notes, is he he prays for his mission. Jesus prayed for his own work. That was the cross. And his prayer was that God would get the glory first. That in everything Jesus did, God would get the glory. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son also may glorify you. There is no glory without suffering. Jesus knew that he was going to have to walk through death to see the glory. We know that Paul writes that those he called, he also um, justified. Those he justified, he also sanctified. Those he sanctified, he also glorified. I might have said that backwards. Um, Those he justified, he also glorified. The glorification, uh, that's a theological term that's talking about um, when our bodies are raised at the resurrection when Jesus comes back and Jesus is going to be the first fruit of all the church the first man to have a glorified body after he rises again so he's saying glorify yourself and glorify me Jesus knows that there's no glory though without the death of the cross there's no glory there's no hope His mission is dependent upon his obedience. And we know from other passages, I'm going to actually teach a message probably tomorrow on Gethsemane, on what he, when he says, take this cup from me. But here, Jesus is crying out to to his father and saying, glorify your son as I glorify you. He prayed that God would get the glory as he always did. Jesus, he he announces his authority, that Jesus is able to calm the sea, calm the wind, calm the waves, heal the sick, make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, raise the dead. Because he says, and you have given the Son authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Jesus prays that the Father through him would give eternal life to as many as the Father would call. That's hope today. That Jesus didn't just pray for his mission, but he prayed for the completion of his mission, which would be the redemption of us. That's so awesome to me. That Jesus was praying for eternal life for the lost, even walking into the cross in the season of Easter. And this is eternal life, verse 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus prayed specifically for us to know God. Eternal life is communion with God forever. It started in the garden. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was also the tree of life in the garden. And God made Adam and Eve to walk with him in the garden in perfect relationship, in perfect communion. And they, they were, before the fall, that's exactly, it was perfection. 
It was, it was relationship, communion. They got to walk with God without the, the knowledge of sin, the consciousness of sin. But now, after the fall, we needed redemption. What Jesus is saying, I believe here, is that eternal life is, is God's original design for us. To know God like Jesus knows God. And to know Christ who was sent by God. I have glorified you on the earth, verse 4. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Like the song said, um, the work is finished. He had finished his ministry and now he's walking in to actually finish completely finished the job by dying on the cross and rising again. He prayed uh, that he would secure eternal life. He prayed that people would know God through the work that he was about to do. Jesus was praying for people and praying for himself. I, I believe he was, at, and we know from other passages, he was asking God to help him in this season to help him uh, to do what he was called to do because it was the most difficult thing Jesus had ever had to do to go to the cross and we know that in Gethsemane, he said, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But if not, not my will, but yours be done because I'm gonna go as far as you tell me to, Father, to redeem these people. That's love, guys. And now he says, now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I love that Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was walking with God's people in the Old Testament. Jesus was... Uh, the powerful, glorious Savior even then. Jesus was walking in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I see four men loose, Daniel 3.25, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt in the form of the fourth man. It's like the Son of God. Jesus was there walking as an angel sometimes, the angel of God appearing to his church, appealing to his people, to the nation of Israel, and then now we see that he's alive on earth with us, Emmanuel, God with us at Bethlehem. And then the angels are, are, are declaring the highest praises. And yesterday we talked about Hosanna in the highest. That means highest praises to the son of David. This son of David is now praying in a garden before the very people that he came to redeem kill him. And he lays his life down. And his prayer is this, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I can imagine that Jesus was really missing his father at this point. 33 years in time as a man had to have pulled his heart towards God. He was longing for home in this, in this verse, in verse 5. He prays for his mission. He prays for the completion of his mission. And then he goes on and he prays for his friends. Number two is he prays for his friends. Jesus prayed for his close friends. Now this just shows the heart of God to me. That he actually not only stepped out of heaven, not only was the king who came as a servant to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only did Jesus step into this place of, of meekness and humility, uh, laying down and empty him, emptying himself of the riches and the glory of heaven, but now he makes friends with us. Specifically, he prays here for his apostles. 
the eleven at this point because he says he lost the son of perdition. This is a few. These are a few of the things that Jesus prays for. He prays for them because he knows that what is coming in their lives will be extremely difficult. We know that because of John 16. Indeed, the hour is coming, 32. Yes, it has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Jesus knew that his best friends that he was praying for in this moment, he was praying from a point, a point of view that said they're going to be victorious, but he also knew that they were going to scatter. See, Jesus knew their disobedience was coming, and he still prayed for them when they were going to be obedient. I think that's interesting to me, that Jesus prays for his friends. He prays for their victory and for their future and for their success in the kingdom and for their protection in the kingdom when he knows that they're about to deny him. He knows that they're about to uh, go hide in a room together, scared because they think they're gonna get thrown in jail or crucified like Jesus did. But he still prays for them, and this is here are a few of the things that he prays for. He prays for their unity. He is essentially praying in, in verse 11. He says, now I am no longer in the world, even though he was, which is interesting. In other words, he wasn't going to be walking with them in the world, but those are in the world, or these are in the world, his friends. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus prays for the unity of the apostles because he knows that 11 men full of his spirit in unity and obedience to him can really reach the world with the gospel. We see it happen. We, we, we see it in Acts. The, the Pentecost sermon on, God reaches thousands of people through these 11 men and thousands more through those they disciple. But Jesus knows that without unity, they'll never be effective growth or fruit. So he prays that God would keep them through his name in unity. And not just unity, the same kind of unity that the Father has with the Son. That's perfect unity. Church, if, if we need to hear a word today, it's this. The Spirit of God is not as divided as the church of God is. The Spirit of God is not as divided as the people of God are. So therefore, the people of God need to get back on board with the Spirit of God and unify ourselves together to go forward with the gospel. Jesus prayed that his apostles would be in unity. The next thing that I want to point out that he prays for is that Jesus prays that his friends would be protected from Satan. He says this, I have given them your word, and the word has hated, and the world, excuse me, has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Before I go to the next verse, I want to say that Jesus, as we, as we know, has pointed out Satan and the Pharisees as a liar. We know that Paul says that um, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and he doesn't like the light shown on him. But we're going to shine the light all over Satan this week. Because his lies, his deceit, even from the very beginning of time all the way until the 21st century uh, has destroyed unity. It's destroyed people. He wants to suck people into sin and destroy the church. So it's interesting to me. Jesus 
is pointing out that the world, and really, I would say the prince of the power of the air, and the people who are bound by him, has hated the apostles because they believe in Jesus and they know the word of God. The same is still true, guys. Satan hates people who God has redeemed because they know the truth and they're not bound to the lies anymore. And they have relationship with the God that he hates. But this is interesting to me. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus is not trying to get you out of tough situations. He's trying to get you through them by his strength. Jesus is not trying to take away the attack. He's trying to give you the armor you need to fight the battle. Jesus is not trying to give you an easy way out. He's trying to make you walk through the, through the hardest part of the battle, but still be victorious. He says, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. That'd be easy for Jesus to just rapture his church up right in the middle of the struggle to, to take us out right now in the middle of this coronavirus. Listen, Jesus is not always gonna do that. He can do it. He went to the jail and the apostle Peter was in jail and he, and, he, and he sent angels in there and they walked out with him. That happens. And if it's his will and his timing, he'll do that. But it might be today that somebody needs to hear that Jesus is not, good because he rescues you from every bad decision you made or he rescues you even from satan himself jesus is good because he overcame satan himself jesus is powerful because he died on a cross and rose again and he's alive today to be our advocate first john if anyone does sin we have an ad an advocate with the father jesus christ so his prayer, know this, Jesus did not pray that his apostles would not have to fight Satan. He prayed that God would protect them from Satan. Not that God would remove them from the attack, but he would keep them from Satan. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And finally, he prays that his friends would... Um, be cleansed, be set apart by the truth, and then they would be sent. So two things here. Cleansed, that's the word sanctify. It can either mean cleansed or set apart. If it means cleansed here, he's saying wash my friends with your truth, which is your word. But I think it'd be interesting to look at this word sanctify because in the semantic range, which is a big term that basically means all the different meanings that a word can mean or have. The semantic range of the word sanctify in the Greek, set apart, is another translation. Jesus says this, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus didn't need cleansing. He was perfect. And so if we look at it like this, if we look at it, Jesus as I sanctify myself, he's setting himself apart. I think it's interesting to me that Jesus is saying, I am setting myself apart for the work which God has for me. God, I'm asking you to set them apart by your truth. Can the world tell a difference in what you preach and what they're preaching? Are we preaching the truth? Are we, are we sanctified by the truth? Are we sanctified by the word? Have we been set apart to carry this, this word? And, and, and I guess today my heart says 
I want to, I want to, I want to know his word. Jesus, sanctify me by your word. I pray you let me rightly divide it. And I hope that's your prayer today too. Jesus prayed that they would know the truth, they would be set apart by the truth, and then that they would be sent in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus sent his apostles, his friends. He's praying for them. So he's prayed for his mission. He's prayed for his friends. And then finally, he prays for his children. Put it this way. In verse 20, Jesus Christ, while he was on earth, prayed for you and prayed for me. And there is so much power in that for me. That my God on his knees with a bloody rock under his face where he sweated blood cries out to the Father on my behalf before taking the cross, before despising the shame, before being seated at the right hand of the throne of God, before any of this, his heart and his attention and his affection is on us, his church, his children. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Everyone who believes, that's me. I'm a whosoever will come. I'm the person Jesus is praying for. You're the person that Jesus cared about. He was thinking about us. And he's asking God for our redemption. You never had anybody pray for you? You don't think anybody's praying for you? Let me tell you this. Jesus prayed for you in the garden that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Again, God prays for unity for us, not just for the apostles. Here's the thing, guys. God prayed for unity for you and for me. Despite your denomination, despite your opinion, despite my denomination, despite my opinion, we should be able to level on the playing field that Christ is the king, that Jesus has ransomed us, that he has redeemed our lives from the pit, that sin is still sin, God is still holy, Jesus died for a reason, and the reason for that death was your and my sin, and we should all be able to walk forward in unity saying we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're preaching hope, we're preaching life, and we're preaching uh, in the not a demonstration of our own human wisdom but as paul said in a demonstration of the power of god through the holy spirit we've got to get back to this kind of unity in our churches we've got to get back to this kind of unity in the body of christ there's so much anger i see so many christians um hating on other other christians and and, and just calling them out on on social media and my only my only issue with calling people out and unless it's just blatant heresy and I think there is a time and place to say that is not biblical truth we can't stand on that and I agree that we all should rightly divide the word of truth and do our best but here be careful that you don't destroy the message and the mission of Jesus by hating people God didn't call you to judge people he called you to reach people and you got to love people and sometimes you got to give a little bit of tough love to people in order to reach them So, that was a side note, rabbit trail. But he says this, 
that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Our unity shows the world two things. That God sent us, and that God loves us, and that God loves them. Actually, three things. God loves them. Father, I desire, verse 24, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. He prayed for our eternal home. Jesus prayed, making sure. He essentially said, God, I am asking you to build them a house. And Jesus has said, and as you know, you probably know the verse, um, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you to myself. Jesus didn't just pray, Father, let them be with me where I am. He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Jesus wants relationship with you and I and and the lost, and he wants to, to be with us. That's, I'm not worthy of that. I'm totally unworthy of that kind of a grace, of that kind of love, of that kind of mercy. But yet Jesus prayed for me that I would be with him where he is, that, that I may behold his glory, which you gave, he says, Jesus says this, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the eternal king. He was the king and creator, John 1. The Logos, the creative, powerful word of God. And he's still that. He's always been. He will always be. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. That's the beginning. That's the end. He's the hope also right in the middle. I love that. For me, it's great that he's Alpha, that he created me, that he loved me. It's great that he's Omega that I know that the end of this road is is Jesus and I get to see him face to face. But sometimes it's really nice to know that he's the God right in the middle of my mess too. That he's with me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. That he prayed for me and even now he advocates for me and he's like my lawyer and he's lifted the wrath of God off of me and he took it on himself so that I can have relationship. He's the mediator between me and God. Said, you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these that have known that you sent me. I can boldly say today that I am one of those people. I'm one of the Gentiles that grace was given to. And I'm so thankful for that. Are you thankful for that? Do you share that? Verse 26 says, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. And in my, in my mind, I'm gonna get a little creative here with this verse. Jesus is saying, I have told them that your name was true. I have told them that your name was the highest name. And then he says, and will declare it. Jesus is going to declare the name of God by being the very propitiation, the very sacrifice that would bring you and I into relationship with God. He will declare it. I believe he's going to declare it 
by being stripped of his dignity and nailed to a cross. And he's going to declare it by saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's going to declare it as he cries out to the man, to the thief beside him. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And he redeems him. I believe that Jesus is going to declare the hope of the name of God when he says it is finished to tell us that. There is so much hope in the declaration that Jesus makes for us. Why will he declare it? Why, why did Jesus do all this? Love. It was love. I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. To apply this to our lives, guys, I know that we're in a, a very interesting season. I would just say very simply, if we want to follow Christ and be obedient to the mission that he has for us, I believe we should approach this difficult time ahead of us in our country and in our churches and in our in the disunity that we see and the lack of peace among people who should be brothers, I think what we're going to have to do is follow Jesus's exact steps in his prayer, the prayer. Number one, we got to pray for the mission that he has for us. Pray that God would be glorified in it. Pray that others would come to know Jesus through the mission that he has for our lives. Pray for your friends, number two. Pray for those around you that you're close to, that you're mentoring, that you're pouring into. Pray for your, um, if you're in ministry, I'm in student ministry, so, I, so pray for the students. Pray for their families. Pray for their moms and their dads. Pray for um, your family, those closest to you. Pray for your kids. Pray with your kids. Pray for your wives and your husbands. Pray with your wives and your husbands. Pray for um, your mom and your dad and pray with your mom and your dad. Pray that God will complete and perfect in them all that he wants to and that they will be successful in the mission that God has for them. Pray that over them. And then pray for the lost. Pray for all that will come to know Jesus. And then pray that Jesus would give you one soul, give, give you one person to reach, Send them your way so that you can be a light in the darkness, so that you can shine the hope of the gospel on their hearts and see their lives changed by the peace that God can bring through salvation. And I'm going to close this with a simple verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is still advocating for your heart and for those around you. What will you do with his prayer? How will you obey his call? How will you go on mission right now to love people and to reach them? Thank you guys so much for listening. Please like, share, comment, subscribe, shoot me a message, uh, shoot me a text. Let me know how you're doing. Uh, God bless you. Please come back uh, the rest of this week for some more messages from my Word of God podcast um, in my series, Don't Miss Your Messiah.
following the footsteps of Christ. God bless you all. Have a great day.